Good morning, Connect family. I am so, so excited to be with you in church this morning. Uh, obviously, this is a little different way to do church, and what we're trying to do is uh, really introduce some technology to um, this experience because of what really is coming up. This is an intentional uh, direction of our church, and I just want you to um, be aware that as we go forward, we're kind of excited for some of the things that we have here as a resource. We're really going to pipe these services into other locations in the future, and this is kind of a dry run of what that would be like as we go forward. So I'm excited about this. Number two, that way I can be in two places at the same time. Number two, I also am excited to kick off our new series. Um, I got an email just this week, and you know, it made me laugh because uh, the email said something like, you know, to find inner peace, it's important uh, that you finish what you start. And at the moment, I was like, no problem, because I had just finished two bags of potato chips, a thing of Oreo cookies, and an Entenmann's Danish. So I'm doing pretty good. You know, I got some peace. Amen? No, I'm just kidding. I didn't do any of that. But uh, we're not going to finish something. We're going to start something today. Everybody say, start. Okay, Good. So you're going to have to interact even though it's a video. I'm doing my best. I'm asking you to do your best. And so hopefully if you're here for the first time, you've experienced an incredible service so far. And I hope to really be able to bless you with a message that's just going to change you from the inside out. So this series is entitled uh, The Helper. The Helper. And we're going to talk about fundamentally uh, the power and the person, the Holy Spirit. And he's really a person that sometimes we miss understand, misinterpret, have all kinds of misconceptions about, and it affects our relationship, not here to here, but the helper is to help us here on earth, from now unto eternity. Our theme text is taken from John chapter 14, verse 26. Will you look in your worship guides with me and join me as I read this to you? In John 14, 26, it says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and will bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So as we get going in this particular series, uh, I was thinking about this only weeks ago when we were coming out of the Easter season. And Easter was an incredible event. Uh, it is the most important event in Christendom. Um, and there's tons of changed lives and all kinds of things that were happening. But we did a lot of stuff in the Godman series to build up to Easter. And then we wrapped it up last week with PMAC doing a great job on uh, Jesus the Shepherd to finish our series. But in this particular series, uh, there's a sequence. And basically, ultimately, Jesus ascends into heaven. He leaves this earth. And, and then, you know, he's gone. Well, what do we do now? Because Jesus is gone. And I was thinking, you know what? We need, we need uh, you know, some instruction, and we need some help down here. And I was praying, and I was praying to God, and I was just talking about you know, all the things that are going on in people's lives, and, and I realized that, you know what, I need some help down here. You need some help down here. How many know we all need some help down here? So today's message is entitled, Help is on the Way. And, I'm, and, and Jesus said this later. You'll see this in John chapter 14. He fundamentally said, I must go so he, the helper, can come. I was uh, watching a YouTube video, as I do so often, because <laughs> I love those, and they're very entertaining to me. But this particular one caught my attention, and it basically was a dispatcher who received a 911 call from a little uh, boy. And the boy basically says, Mom, Mom, Mom. And she says, Yes. And... Uh, 
She says, there's been an emergency. You know, my, you know, uh, my brother has been shot. Your son has been shot. And quickly she said, help is on the way. Help is on the way. And then after that, she began to get, you know, uh, this boy instructions, if you can imagine the stress and the trauma of this. And she begins to tell him, you know, get your brother on the phone. And she says, honey, 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 you know, are you there? Are you there? And the son responded, and he was in a lot of pain. She says, make sure you talk to Jesus. Make sure you talk to Jesus, because if you're going to meet him, it's all about Jesus. And I thought when that happened, everything that we're experiencing in this life is that related to eternity is about Jesus. Jesus came from heaven to earth to make a way for us to be with him forever. But what about when Jesus leaves? What about this life now, not just the afterlife? Jesus left us a helper to help us in the here and now, the now to eternity. And this world is filled with crisis. This world is filled with trauma and drama and all kinds of crazy happenings. And we live in what we can see from Scripture is a cursed world. This world is cursed. And in order to overcome in this life and bring life to this life, we can't do it in our own strength. We can't do it by ourselves. And as I was praying post-Easter, I began to think about that, you know. Recently, I was telling the Lord, I'm sorry for some things. I'm sorry that... I haven't done as much as really I feel like I'm mandated to do. I feel like I could have done more in this particular season of life. I could have done more through the local church. I could have done more using my particular gifts. And I, I, I was kind of having a, a Debbie Downer day, and, and, and I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you need help. You need my help. And that's what the Holy Spirit is for. Jesus is about this, and the Holy Spirit is about here and now. But many people don't see the Holy Spirit like that. In other words, he's not a helper to us. And for different reasons, he's more a hindrance to us. And, and nothing could be further from the truth. And that's my job today is to, is to try to unravel uh, the knot that has been the subject of the Holy Spirit, the member of the Trinity that's been the most misunderstood. And, and, and Jesus literally gave us this gift in the Holy Spirit for no other reason but to help us down here. And so today's big idea, if you're taking notes, write this down. The Holy Spirit is not a hindrance, but a helper from now unto eternity. And Jesus told us this in his own words. He modeled for us how to overcome life's toughest and roughest circumstances. While, by the way, as a human, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus was a human on earth, just like we are. But he also was empowered by the Holy Spirit, just like he wants us to be. And in the last days of his life, the final week, and in particular the final hours, theologians believe the last 12 to 15 hours, and we'll see this in this next clip from the Passion of Christ, he left us these high-level instructions. If you think about what you would say in your final hours, your final days, you wouldn't mess around with trivial things. You would probably put the most important things in front of the people you love, and that's what Jesus did in this next clip. Just check this out. Alte Kalon, ich sehe mein Nachma. 
So today's topic is help is on the way. He's saying to his disciples, and he's saying the same thing to us. I've got to go, and then he will come. And there's this conversation that takes place from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, really all the way through to chapter 17. We're going to highlight some verses from there. But in John 14, 15, and 16, basically what's happening is there ultimately in one place, there's this Last Supper. And Jesus is serving them, as you can see in this particular clip. And only moments later... Judas walks out of the room, the betrayer. And in this conversation, he tells them about this person, the Holy Spirit. In verse 15 of John chapter 14, it says this. If you love me, Jesus speaking, keep, or one translation it says, obey my commandments. Remember those words, keep and commandments. And he says, and I will pray, Jesus, to the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him and it doesn't know him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So he's with you now because you've received him, and he'll be, he'll be uh, in you later. This is a progressive or in a future tense verbiage. You can see right in here from a doctrinal standpoint, for those of you who are interested, what we call the first work of grace and the second work of grace. The first work of grace is the grace of salvation. The second work of grace is what we call the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But I want you to circle or underline a couple of words. There's this word with you, but I want you to also see these two words in you. That particular part is the part that everybody gets hung up about. And I want to focus on that in this series a little bit because just from a theological standpoint, you need to understand that Jesus is not just going to be with you at like outside you, but he wants to be inside you. It's, there's this union that the Holy Spirit wants to have, this common union, this, this oneness that the Holy Spirit wants to have. It's like for those of you, I was just having a cup of coffee just moments ago, and I asked Gretchen, my assistant, if she could put some cream in it. Now, if she just poured that cream and left it like that, initially, the cream and the coffee would be separated. But if you stir that cream into that coffee, of just in moments, the two become one. In fact, then they'll never be separated. Nothing could separate them from that point forward. They become two, become one. God wants the Holy Spirit to be like that in your life. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. I think I know the answer, but how many in this room love God by a show of hands? How many of you love God? Come on, look around, see if anybody's doing what the pastor says. Of course, of course, you love God, right? And I figured that one of the best ways to know we love God, because Jesus says this in John 14, if you love me, he says, obey or keep my commandments. Now, that word obey in the original language, it means to make a priority. So if you love God, you'll make what's important to him a priority in your life. That's what it means to obey. And, and this word commandment, it basically means uh, that which is prescribed. So if you're going to obey his commandments as a result of loving him, that's showing you love God, then you will, you will uh, you'll make a priority that which he is prescribing to you, the prescription from Jesus. So Jesus is making a prescription for us that follows in these verses. In other words, a prescription would be like if you go to a doctor and you're suffering from some sickness or whatever, and they prescribe, let's say, an antibiotic, and they'll say, you need to take this for 10 days, 
Hopefully, you don't take that for just five days because you have not received the full prescription that the doctor has given you. Many Christians are, say they love God, uh, say they want to obey God and his commandments, but they have, not, they have not followed, made a priority, or received the full prescription that Jesus has given to us, and that is the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, I think sometimes, and get ready for this, I think we'll have a, continue to have a hard time understanding the Holy Spirit and accepting him because we live in a world who does not accept him according to the scripture. They don't know him. They don't recognize him. And so you'll either love God and take the full prescription or you'll love the things of the world and, and not see or know him. In fact, that word world, cosmos, in the original language, it's not referring to the planet. It's not referring to the physicality of the world. In this particular uh, verse, it's actually referring to, the, to a pattern or a way of thinking. And so many people have their own way in the world of thinking. And, and if we think the way God wants us to think, it will really help us. But if we think the way the world thinks, we will not be able to see or recognize him. The Bible says they cannot receive him. Wow. In other words, it's because we're not looking for him. There's two reasons we can't receive him is because we're not looking for him and we do not recognize him. You know, if you're, I don't know how many people in this room um, ride motorcycles. If you ride a motorcycle, raise your hand. All the cool cats, come on. All your Harley, okay. It, maybe not that many, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a few in the house today. If you ride a motorcycle, you probably, especially if you live up here, you have an automobile. Now, what's interesting about motorcycles, I've learned this over time, is if you have a motorcycle, you have a car, and if you have a bumper sticker on your car, that bumper sticker says, watch out for motorcycles. The reason for that is because uh, you, you, you as a motorcycle owner, you are, when you're driving your automobile, you're looking to make sure that you don't hurt or miss a motorcycle. See, because you're looking for that, because you, you own that. You have one of those motorcycles. And sometimes we see people in the world we don't, we, don't, we don't understand or we're not receiving the Holy Spirit because we're not looking for him. Another reason we don't receive or understand the Holy Spirit is because uh, we don't recognize Sometimes we have an idea of what someone looks like. I was just at church uh, speaking outside of Washington, D.C. this weekend, this last weekend, and I came in in a baseball cap. And one of the staff who knows me very well, I've been there many times, I said, Brenda, and she just walked right by me. The reason she walked right by me because she didn't recognize me in the baseball cap. See, because she had a preconceived idea of who I was, and I don't normally look like that to her. That's why sometimes we cannot receive the full prescription of the Holy Spirit is because like the world in our own way of thinking, we're not looking for him and we do not recognize him because we have a way that we think he looks. And when we are this way, the Bible says we cannot receive him. And that word receives means we can't experience the Holy Spirit. And I submit this thought to you that maybe that's why we don't experience much of God's power is because we're not looking for him. We're not recognizing him. And we often read about this in the New Testament and wonder why we don't have the same things happening today that were happening then. And I think it's because of these two things. And I believe that's all going to change through this series. Can I have an amen out there? 
Come on, say amen strong. And so if we look for him and we begin to recognize him for who he really is, I believe our lives can be changed. So I want to teach you first who the Holy Spirit is, and then we'll learn how to operate in relationship with him better, and you'll be able to recognize, and more importantly, you'll be able to receive from him. So Jesus at this final supper, uh, we call the Last Supper, he drops a bomb on them. They had a completely different idea of how things were going to go down with their Savior, their Master. And he basically says, guys, I hate to tell you this, but I'm getting ready to die. And they're like, gulp, you know, real loud. What is he talking about? Because uh, because they had a different idea. By Friday, 9 a.m., he was on the cross. I mean, he wasn't messing around. And so when he told them this news, they were completely shocked because they were, they were politicking and positioning, you know, to be, you know, ranked high next to God, next to Jesus, because they thought he was going to be king. He was going to rule on the earth. And ultimately, he will, but not then. It wasn't a, it wasn't a now. It was a later. And so their plans were blown away. And after he drops this bomb, G Jesus says to the guys, guys, listen, listen. In John 14, 1 through following, he says, he says don't, let your heart be, don't let your hearts be troubled. Just, just hang on, hang on, hang on. He's, and he says these words. He says, trust God, trust also in me. So he taps into, with Jesus, their relational equity, and he establishes uh, this, this, this um, relational connection with them because he's basically saying, guys, the end's not going to happen the way you thought it was going to happen, so I'm going to need you to trust me on this. And, and please remember as we go forward in this series, what I'm telling you right now are not my words, they're Jesus' words. Jesus said this, trust me when it comes to the helper. They, they didn't like what he was saying at the moment, and he could see their disappointment. And so, guys, he goes on to say, he says so many words. He says, guys, it's better for you that I go so that he will come, so that your helper will show up on the scene. And different places in the Bible, this pops up. John 16, it says, if I don't go away, the counselor won't come. And in that same chapter, he says, he's going to tell you about things to come. So, this person of the Holy Spirit was critical that he come on the scene, and Jesus is trying to make that crystal clear to them. And so he goes on to reveal this third person in the mix that they didn't know anything about. And the rest of the night, he talks about the Holy Spirit. And, and, and then when they go to the Garden of Gethsemane, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and right up until he dies, that's what he's talking about. And then when he actually when he rose from the dead, after the resurrection, and he appears for, for 40 days on the earth, uh, before he even ascended into heaven, the whole time he's talking about the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Acts chapter 1, it's not in your notes, but it says, Jesus said, John baptized with water, but in a few days you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Hang on, wait, he's coming. You will then receive power for what? This crazy world. Then the Holy Spirit's going to come on you and you will be my witnesses. There's going to be a result. It's going to help you. And that's exactly what happened. The world was changed by an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So here's kind of the irony of it all. We know it, it, it is clearly one of the most important messages of the New Testament church. But this subject, 
the helper, the Holy Spirit, has brought more confusion and more controversy than probably any subject next to, you know, things like, like money and the end times. And so it is because, and, and because of this confusion and, 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 and all this, you know, talk about it, people have become comfortable with Jesus, you know, as my best friend, all the way to my homie. We're comfortable with God the Father. He loves me, and, and, he, and he gave his son for me, and he's a good, good father, and we love all those kind of messages. But I don't know about this Holy Ghost. I don't know about this Holy Ghost. And really what is happening is either we just don't know anything about it, it's complete ignorance, and we'll come to that, or I don't like the associations that accompany this whole uh, understanding of the, whole, of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I think it's the overemphasis on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the underemphasis on the need for relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. And I like to use Holy Spirit over Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, I think, is an imperfect translation from the King James. And it kind of makes you scared. It kind of makes you a little bit like, Ooh, you know, the Holy Ghost, you know. And, and that's really not the way he is. It's not somebody to, to certainly revere but not be scared of. And so the Holy Spirit is probably not what you think. And I guarantee there are some hurdles to believing in him and understanding more about him. But when it comes to church, I've discovered that what I th- thought wasn't in the Bible. What most, people, what most people's beliefs are shaped by are not by him or by the Bible. They're by what somebody else has told us or what we've seen. So people are often what bring confusion, not God. So I'm going to give you three barriers that we need to overcome to understand what Jesus wants you to know about the Holy Spirit. Three barriers so you can receive help. we got to get over these. The first one is ignorance. Everybody say ignorance. Good job. So you just don't know what you don't know. And again, I see this underemphasis and or this overemphasis sometimes on the role of the Holy Spirit. And really, the purpose of the Holy Spirit was to see lives changed. Acts 19 uh, and following, it says, uh, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. In other words, a lot of times it's just I don't know anything about it. Many don't even know, uh, you know, they, they don't know anything about it or what they do know is or was wrong. So we have these preconceived ideas and we miss an alliance, a partnership that could be so powerful. And again, Jesus says, trust me on this. The Holy Spirit is not some weird, transcendent experience. It's not some like, the Holy Spirit's not an it, a force from Star Wars or anything like that. So, so you're, not, you're sometimes missing the mark. And I didn't want the Holy Spirit for the second reason. This is the second barrier, is because of fear. The reason that I resisted the Holy Spirit wasn't ignorance so much, it was fear. I used to think that if I fully surrendered, that's what I felt like was involved in, in embracing the Holy Spirit, and there's truth to that. I, I feel like if I fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit, then He, the Holy Spirit, was going to make me go to Africa, live in a mud hut, and, and, and have to be chased by mosquitoes the rest of my life. And so I thought, if I fully surrender to God, I'm going to lose the lifestyle that I enjoy and want, and I was afraid of losing control. And I think there's something to that, but we're missing the reward and hopefully I'll do a good job with that. But in Ezekiel chapter 47, there's this Old Testament prophecy that kind of describes or it's a description of this, 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 you know, this mindset that many have. Maybe you have it. It says this. It says, um, measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet. 
And then he led me across. The water was up to my ankles. You want, you want to remember that word, ankles. He measured off another 1,750 feet and led, and led me across that again. This time the water was up to my knees. And after another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. So you can see these words, ankles, knees, waist. That's what I want you to pop. And it says this, um, and eventually uh, he measured another, and the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. So he's basically saying that, and this whole prophecy in context is basically there's going to be a generation, and I think it's ours right now, that knows about God. It goes to church, uh, they read their Bible, they try to live moral lives, but we live, listen, at different stages of faith. Some of us are ankle deep. Like, we're just okay receiving the fire insurance. We're just okay making sure uh, I'm going to go to heaven. I believe Jesus uh, is Lord. I believe he rose on the third day, and I've confessed him in accordance with Romans 10.9. And so I'm ankle deep. I'm good with that. Others, you know, are knee deep. And, and, and so we're reading our Bible, and we're praying, and, and we're online doing the one-year Bible on our website, and, and we're, 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 we're knee-deep. But some of us, you know, we're maybe a little further. We're, we're like waist deep. And now we're, we've begun to serve and, and use our gifts. And we, or maybe we're giving and we're, and we're giving back to God what belongs to him. And we're a tither we, as the Bible instructs us to do. But listen, all of us might be wet, but we're all still in control. We're all still in control. See, this last leg of this uh, Old Testament prophecy, really a foreshadowing of what was to come, and I think we're in this place right now, it tells us that there's this place where you lose contact from the ground. And here, you're forced to follow the current. And all through the Bible, the, the, the Bible instructs us that the only thing that we should surrender control to, listen, is the Holy Spirit, the Helper. And, and, and it's a place many will not go. And yet it's this place where the Holy Spirit partners with us the most and we become one like coffee and cream. And many people uh, forego divine encounters with God because they're satisfied, listen, with what their minds or what our minds can conceive. I include myself in this. Yet the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 2.9, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. What does that look like? If you love me, you will obey, keep my commandments, and you will recognize and see and pursue the helper, the helper. So I think sometimes we're just satisfied and we don't want to go all the way into the river and lose control and many of us play it safe and because we just want to hang on to things the way they are. And just a thought, this is just a thought I wrote in my notes. Isn't it interesting that in the world there is actually a preoccupation every weekend with losing control? In other words, the goal is everybody works for the weekend People living for that to come to a place where we kind of have an out-of-body experience, where we kind of lose control so that we can have fun, so that we can find peace, so that we can have enjoyment. Listen, that's the kingdom of God according to the word of God. Romans 14, 17 says, not in your notes, it says, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. But yet the world tries to get us to go this way, and yet within the church of Jesus Christ, there's a reluctance, there's a fear, there's a, we won't surrender to it. Another scripture in Ephesians 5, it basically says, don't be drunk with wine, where is an excess, 
That's the world's solution to needing peace, wanting to find fulfillment, joy, all those kind of things. But the Bible says, be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, to have that, there's a, there's a go deeper. There's a surrender to the control. And I want to introduce you to someone because Jesus said it. And he said, trust me in this. Because in that river, the Bible goes on to say in that prophecy in Ezekiel, if you surrender to that current of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says the river is teeming with life. Wow. It's like, in other words, the best part of life in this crazy, nuts, cursed world in which we live in right now is when you are surrendered to the control, the currents of the Holy Spirit. The greatest things in God only happen when you are fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit and where you don't touch the ground anymore like your wallet, your will, your wants, all those things surrender to God. You can trust this because Jesus said so. And listen, you don't, you don't want to be in control, my friend, because then you're, you're totally responsible when you're in control. So the next uh, barrier is resistance. Man, I love that last point. The next barrier is resistance. I think we have a, and you need to be honest with yourself, but I think we have a natural default to just resist. And it's amazing that sometimes we resist that which can help us the most or instruct us the most or change, us, change our lives the most. In Acts chapter 7, verse 51, uh, Stephen under duress, said, you stiff-necked people, not naked, so don't get any ideas, you stiff-necked people <laughs> with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. As your pastor, I just want to kind of put an insert in there. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Don't resist the Holy Spirit because of misinformation and misconceived ideas about who he is. Stop resisting the help that God has for you. Help is on the way, but don't turn it away. You got to see God through his word. You got to see God through relationship with Jesus. You got to dismiss all those other things and start afresh and go for it with the Holy Spirit. Think about it. Why would we, why would we not want help in this cursed world? I think the reason sometimes we don't want help in this cursed world is because of the excesses some of us, church people, have seen and the exhibitionism that some of us have seen within the body of Christ. And because of those excesses and some of that exhibitionism that we've seen in the church, we've allowed certain things, uh, maybe certain gifts, a particular one and a particular one, to hijack uh, the person of the Holy Spirit, the power gifts in certain overemphasis and exhibitionism and things like that has hijacked the relationship we can have. And so that use or abuse of it causes us to shy away completely from where we should start and continue in relationship with him. And I, I got to tell you, see, it's not, it's not about an experience. I believe in experience. I believe we need experiences. But it's about getting to know a person. The person of the Holy Spirit is more important than the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We need them both. But the person is more important, just like Jesus. It's more important to know Jesus than to get the benefits that come from knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus is more important than what he can do for us. Knowing Jesus is more important than, than and it outweighs all the temporal things that we can get. And friendship with the Holy Spirit outweighs the frills that he offers. So don't get me wrong, the power of the Holy Spirit is needed to navigate this crazy world, this cursed world, and all the curveballs that come with it. But Get into relationship with him first. He can't trust, listen to this, he can't trust his power to people he doesn't know. See, if you want to have the power, you have to know that person. 
And so that's what he does. So how does he help me? Let me give you this quickly. Five ways that he helps us. The first one is he, the Holy Spirit, wants to be with me. He wants to be with me. I think this is the most important role of all. The Greek word for comforter in the Bible is this word paraclete, not parakeet, not a bird. Even though there was a dove, he came like a dove. He wasn't a dove, okay? But it's, it's used different times in the Bible, this word, helper, consoler, advocate, sometimes comforter. John 14, 16 says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. Some translations say comforter right there. I bet many of you uh, have comforter on your bed. Now, I grew up in a home where, where there were rooms that had comforters on them that you could never use, you could never touch. In fact, we'd go into another room, and I'd jump on the bed. My mother would yell at me, get off the bed. That is not for use. That is for show. <laughs> that is for show. All y'all know what I'm talking about there, ladies, and you do the same thing with towels in the bathroom. And that's just dry. Just so you know, this is a confession. When you're gone and you're not looking, I wipe my hands on those towels. I just want to get that out of the, out of the way right now. Okay. Praise God. But, but the comforter we're talking about, the comforter of the Holy Spirit, uh, he, he's not just for show. He's for relationship. He's, he's to be seen and known and a part of your life. In 2 Corinthians 13, 14, it says, The amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, look at this, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. Here's the second thing. He wants to teach me what to do. Here's some of his role. This is, this is who he is. He wants to teach me what to do. John 14, 26 says, The counselor of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. See, I have, <laughs> I, um, I have had the Holy Spirit you know, check me at different times in my life. I'm getting ready to say something or do something, and the Holy Spirit, mm, I don't think you should do that. I don't think you should say that to her. I don't think you should, I definitely don't think you should say that. And I could literally, you know, I don't know how the Holy Spirit talks to you, but sometimes he uses certain adjectives at the end of that. That would be really stupid. And, and, and then if I go ahead and do it, you know, okay, I told you not to do that. Anyway, so we kind of have that relationship. But the Holy Spirit will check you. He'll teach you. He'll keep you from making certain mistakes in your life. He'll, he'll give you some advice. I wouldn't say that. I, you know what? I'd probably take her out to dinner and then maybe talk about that. So he will save your butts literally from a lot of mistakes, involve him, listen to him, do what he says, invite him into the situation. In fact, as a habit, I try to invite the Holy Spirit into my morning devotions when I'm reading the Word of God. I've read the Bible, and I don't say this to brag, I just, I've been a Christian for a lot longer than some people, many, many times. And so I want it to come alive because I know there's so much inside of the Scriptures. And so when I'm studying, it changes everything when I invite the Holy Spirit and say, teach me now, teach me. And the scripture tells us he will. In fact, and this isn't in your worship guide, but it's on the screen here. In 1 John 2.27, 1 John 2.27, it says, As for you, look at this, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. This is speaking of the Holy Spirit. And you do not need anyone to teach you. But his anointing, this is from the helper, teaches you about all things. So why would you want to go deeper? Why would you want to surrender to the Holy Spirit? Because things you don't understand and things you don't know 
will come alive. They'll be quickened in your spirit. You'll begin to understand. You'll begin to get what I call heavy revies, these downloads from the Holy Spirit that literally are so cool and so exciting. Your devotional life comes alive. Instead of being a drudgery or an obligation or a duty, it becomes a delight, a joy, a revelation, an experience. That's what he wants for you. Number three, the the helper, he wants to help me share my faith. He wants to help me share my faith. Now, for me, I grew up actually really afraid to share my faith. And it might be a shocker to you, but it's just interesting that when God gifts you with certain things, that the enemy is aware of those gifts, and he'll do everything he can to try to stifle those. So here, I am destined to be a communicator, even a pastor, but also, I believe, an evangelist, and he attacks me with, with just this, this fear of man, this, this approval addiction, and, and I think that he knows that we are the greatest threat when we operate in our strengths. And so, ironically, some of the strongest personalities... Uh, that were in my life or that I was growing up with, they were all had no problem sharing their faith. And, and I can list different people's names. Uh, and they would try to get me, they'd push me into these opportunities, let's just say, to share my faith. And we'd, we'd even used to go door to door. Oh, are you kidding me? And I was always sick on those days. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, I, I wanted to just like go in a bathroom and throw up. But I wasn't into all that track pa- passing and Bible dart Bible, you know, just, you know, hitting people over the head with scriptures kind of evangelism. But, you know, you learn your rhythm, you learn your flow when you surrender to the Holy Spirit. And so when I met the Holy Spirit, and I mean the person of the Holy Spirit, and then was filled with the Holy Spirit, I became bold in my faith. Some of you, you struggle and you want to share your faith and you feel uh, disqualified, unqualified, inept, ashamed, afraid, timid. It's all about the Holy Spirit. Listen, that's what it's about. It's not I know more, you know less, that's why I'm be- It's not a knowledge thing. It's a relationship thing. And so think it was the same way for Peter. Peter, who had a better discipleship process than him? He, spent a, he had a three-year internship with the Son of God. You'd think, you'd think he'd know what to say or how to say it, but he couldn't even stand up to a little girl. But 50 days, only, only really right after the, the uh, resurrection of Jesus Christ and then the ascension, Peter is, is at the threat of being in prison, speaking to thousands of people uh, about his faith. And he was saying to the whole population, I cannot help but talk about what I've both seen and heard. And he was doing it with boldness. Why? Because he was filled He he had experienced and surrendered to the Holy Spirit. John 15, 26 says, When the counselor comes, who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. See, God wants you to, he wants you to testify about him, but it is the Holy Spirit, the helper, that will make you bold. The fourth thing is this. Are you guys enjoying this? I hope you are. Talk back at me. I'm believing you're saying yes and amen. The fourth thing is he will convict me when I'm wrong, when I'm wrong. Oh, again, this is that check. My, my wife and, and different people when I was growing up, you know, we, t- we call it a, as Christians, we call it a check in my spirit. In other words, we, we have this, this kind of like internal compass, this, this, if you're an athlete, like you have this umpire that tells you foul ball, you know, strike on the money. Yes, go for it. And the Holy Spirit 
all throughout the Bible, it says, will whisper in your ear to keep you on the right path. He will convict, or the scripture even says, convince you when you're wrong. Don't do this, do this. Don't go that way, go this way. He can whisper in your ear these things. John 16, 7 says, unless I go away, the counselor won't come. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, look what he'll do. He'll convict the world. In one translation, it says, convince the world of sin. That's, by the way, his job. Can I have an amen? That's not the church's job. Our job is not to police behavior. Our job is not to monitor and manage people's sin. That is not our job. We are simply to fall in love with Jesus and help people fall in love with Jesus, and he'll clean them up. We, we catch them, he'll clean them. Can I have an amen? So he, he, the Holy Spirit, will convince or convict us in different ways. He'll do it with like a still, small voice. Sometimes he'll use people to do that, to kind of bring us to our senses, but in love. And sometimes they'll use circumstances to pull us back. When we don't respond to that conviction of the Holy Spirit, it becomes condemnation. So, so here's what happens is if you feel condemned, that's, that's because many cases, many times, you are not responding to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Now here's my last point, and this is an important one. Number five, he will guide me. The helper will guide me to truth. John 16, 13 says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So if you're out there today and you feel lost about your faith, you feel that, um, you know, you're far from God, there's this disconnect, the Holy Spirit, that's what he's about. He wants to bring you to relationship with God. The Holy Spirit will show you actually the way to truth. So sometimes we have to You think we have to see to believe? No, we have to believe to see. And the Holy Spirit will begin to open your eyes as you come to him. You draw near to him. He will draw near to you. And as I begin to conclude, here's maybe why we don't go deeper. Here's maybe why we don't surrender control to the Holy Spirit. I believe when the Holy Spirit uh, was restored to the church... Uh, here um, in America in the 1900s, there was a move of the Holy Spirit all over the, all over the earth. And I think Satan got really scared. This is my, my opinion and the opinion of others. And I think he thought, I have to stop this in its tracks. And we'll talk some more about this in the coming weeks. And, and because he saw what happened in the book of Acts. He saw when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit hit the early church, literally it changed the world. The Holy Spirit. Jesus left so that that could happen. And his ploy was, I think, in the early church in America, was to stop the full move of the Holy Spirit by sidelining and sidetracking, polarizing the church, really by kind of doing two different things. Convincing the people that the Holy Spirit is weird, and the Holy Spirit isn't weird. People are weird. People would be weird even without the Holy Spirit, okay? So that's a lie of the enemy. And then the second thing he tried to do is make it controversial. So I want you to know something as we continue in this series. The Holy Spirit's not weird. People are weird. The Holy Spirit is truth. And Jesus affirmed and confirmed that the Holy Spirit is there to help us and lead us to truth. And one of the the ways he tries to do it is by, again, hijacking the move of of God, the relationship with the Holy Spirit, with these these, uh, spiritual gifts, and one in particular we'll talk about in the weeks to come. But the Holy Spirit, you know, what happens sometimes is people get proud. 
And they think they're all that in a bag of chips if they have him. And that polarizes people too. The Holy Spirit uh, is, doesn't make, it's, it's, you're not supposed to be, think you're better than somebody else. The Holy Spirit isn't supposed to make me better than you. The Holy Spirit is to make me better than me. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit isn't supposed to make me better than anyone else. The Holy Spirit is to make me better than me. So I'm telling you, you don't have to get receive this. You don't have to. You're not going to be forced into relationship with the Holy Spirit. It, we're never going to treat anybody like a second-class citizen. But I've embraced the person and the power of the Holy Spirit as your pastor. And it has truly changed my life from the inside out. But I just want you to know something. It doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. And so I think the devil's tried to convince us of all kinds of lies and kept us this, this distortion and this distraction of the Holy Spirit. So please, as we go forward, as we continue, and as we pray in just a minute, don't let the abuse or the misuse of the Holy Spirit cause you to shy away from relationship with him. I personally believe it is very hard to navigate this world we live in today successfully without relationship with the helper. We need his help. Jesus depended on the Holy Spirit when he was here on earth, and he's cautioning us, he's instructing us, he's encouraging us to do the same thing as we go forward. Why do I need this? Because I think he designed us to live as spirit-empowered beings just like Jesus did. And so as Pastor Mark comes, I just want to thank you for your attention, and he's going to pray with you right now as we continue. God bless you, and I'll see you real soon.